and welcome to the Stringer Podcast number 15. I'm excited for this one, really excited, and no, not just because we have Megan Robinson, award-winning sports reporter on it, awesome person, at Robinson Megan on Twitter, at Robinson Megan on Instagram, it's because this is the first of the new batch of chats that I have going on. We're done with the three from 2017. We're moving on, and we got some fresh stuff for you. I am excited. I am very excited. Actually, I'm in Mexico right now. I'm in Monterey on an interesting new project, and I'm looking out my window and seeing some really oddly colored houses. We got fuchsia, we got seafoam green, and look, we even got orange. I'm only here for a few days, and you know what that means? means I'm back in Toronto in time for the weekend. And let me tell you what's going on this weekend. Let's kick it off with Friday night. On a weekend where superheroes and cosplayers of all sorts descend on Toronto, find out exactly why Superman's dead. Toronto's very own Our Lady Peace hits the stage with Matthew Good. Check out Ticketmaster.com for tickets. And since we're on the subject of OLP, remember former drummer Jeremy Taggart? Ever want to cuddle up on a couch and just figure out exactly what's on his mind? Now you can. The Taggart and Torrens podcast, hosted by Jeremy Taggart, where just recently they selected the ultimate top five go-to-your-room jams. I wish I had this when I was like nine and seemingly spent every other minute upsetting my parents and being sent to my room. Taggart and Torrens podcast, check them out wherever you normally check out your podcasts. And go to the show Friday, 7.30pm at Rebel, 11 Polson Street in Toronto. Saturday, so it is St. Patrick's Day. Everyone's had it marked on their schedule for like weeks and weeks and weeks. But if you're like me and you don't want to cram yourself into a hot and sweaty bar, head on over to the Social Capital Theatre, 154 Danforth Avenue for a 5pm and a 7.30 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. or both show of St. Players Day. For the first time ever, the Players Sketch Troupe will be combining all the hilarity, music, and good times of players with the most iconic beer drinking day of the year. More info on playersto.com. Sunday, I alluded to it before, it's Comic-Con in Toronto. Very exciting. The only place where you can have a Klingon shot with the Jedi, but that thing Captain America and the Hobbit did that made you laugh. If you've never been, I encourage you to go, but I appreciate it could be pretty daunting. It's a giant convention center just riddled with tables and tables of tables of people you've never known, maybe wearing costumes you've never seen before. So that's why I'm going to encourage you to seek out my good pal, Kevin Briones, who has a table there. Super cool dude and an incredible artist. If you're looking for a new comic series to get into, maybe just pick up the latest issue of Neon Black, Kev's latest and greatest incredibly dope series. He describes it this way. There's a fine line between good and evil, light and dark, black and white. Some stand for the light through no choice of their own, out of duty and responsibility, and some have the darkness thrust upon them. In every age, a catalyst emerges outside the boundaries of light and dark, but to right the wrong, she must become something else. Beyond good and evil, she must become neon black. I have the first two issues. Kev was good enough to give them to me, and they are great. ComicConToronto.com for more details. And don't forget to say hi to Kevin. All right, that wraps everything up. Please remember that if you have an event coming up, anything that you want promoted, hit us up on Twitter at Stringer Podcast or email us podcast at the stringers.com. 
Radio.com. I've wasted so much of your time already, and all you want to do is just hear the sweet, sweet positivity from Megan Robinson. So here we go. It's coming up. Stringer number 15 with Megan Robinson. Cue the sack. I was contract. Like, okay. I've been contract forever with them. Yeah. Um, for nine years, I think I was. Wow. Yeah, I was with them, which is a very long time. Mm-hmm. And just as we were getting closer, like, think, things were heading a direction there. Right. I've seen you, like, pictures of you, like, on the field with cameras. Uh-huh. So what are you doing? Now? Yeah. Um, anything. Um, <laughs> it's funny because I thought... Breaking the TFC mold of what I did for them yeah. is hard, and it's not that I have to. Um, I don't have to break the TFC mold, mm-hmm. but you kind of get pigeonheld a little bit into just being like the soccer guy, and that's okay. So, like, I went to um, Latvia with COC, and yeah. that was neat. Like that, that was different. Um, but I'm trying to approach leagues, and I'm trying to approach players. Right and just kind of and and get away from the team thing. The team thing's very hard. Like it's insanely hard because you have to ride through them when they don't have stories and they don't have good stories and you're kind of scratching at the bottom of the barrel. It's funny actually. I have considered working for a team again, and I think when you and I first met each other, mm-hmm. we were. My God, probably about 10 years ago. It is about 10 years ago. That's what I was trying to. Um, And I, for a season, worked for the Blue Jays. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things about working for a team, while it is an amazing experience, you're you're so limited on what you can cover. Mm -hmm. And it usually has to be good news. There's no bad news if you're covering a team. And there have been beat reporters and, and people around different leagues in the NHL one I'm, I'm thinking of specifically who said, I'm writing this in my contract. I want to write about bad news too because I want to be unbiased. You're seeing more journalists start working for teams and the team said no. And I think that that's an issue because mm-hmm. you're, it's a disservice to yourself and your own you know, journalistic integrity, mm-hmm. which then makes me question whether or not people really care about that anymore. When you go to work for a specific entity, you're signing up to be either a spokesperson for them or a journalist, right? They are very different roads. One, you fit into a communication structure that that reports generally into a head of communications or a head of media or public relations. And, and as much as anything, that's a spokesperson role. That they, they like your personality, they like the way you speak, they like the way you act and what you give them, and they want you to apply that to their brand. And Journalistic integrity is very interesting to me because there's a really hard line that you walk between what you want to offer the reader as as a very fair and unbiased view of the story and also your personal relationships with um, management, with members of the team, 
and that's tough like that that's the shit that keeps you up at night like it really it, it affects me when stuff's going down and I don't know morally where I sit and where where what is right and what's not I have had a couple of conversations in the last couple of weeks and more and more I agree with you that you're going to be one of two things, a journalist or a personality, a representative. And there are a lot of people right now in sports media that call themselves reporters and anchors and journalists. But in reality, they're hosts, they're personalities, and they're a brand representative for something that they've signed their name to. And I think that that takes away from the people who genuinely care about their credibility and their integrity and who have worked really hard for that. And I think that that's something that has definitely kept me up at night recently because when I was younger, I mean, I've been doing this for too long now and I love it, but it's changed. It's <laughs> hate, changed so I much. I myself. Back when I started, I, I found and felt, and maybe I was naive to this, that people were getting jobs based on merit, based on seniority, based on time served and, and how good you were at your job. It's not like that anymore. It's a popularity contest. And more and more, I start stressing about social media and my follower count and that sort of thing. Does it make me any better at my job? Absolutely not. I've worked really hard to have what I have. Do I have my dream job currently? I do not. And I'm sure a lot of people can say that. I mean, I think there are very few people that success is one thing and they've met it. But for me, success is a moving target, which then makes me constantly reevaluate who I am, what my credibility is, how I want to grow, how I want to move forward. And am I okay being a spokesperson, a host, a, a personality? And as of right now, this moment, I'm not. My dream job has changed so many times. When I first started in this business, I wanted to be the beat reporter for the Yankees and working for the Yes Network. After working for the Blue Jays for a season, I was really close to baseball. I covered the team kind of on and off for um, a radio station for three plus years. And it kind of ruined it for me. Baseball was my first love and I felt like I had gotten too close and I didn't love watching it anymore. I didn't get the same rush. I was kind of like, ugh, another game, <laughs> 162. <laughs> and it was really Come tough. on, here we go. <laughs> yeah, like, oh Rounding God, the bend. 121. Like, <laughs> it was tough having that kind of mental count and it's really cool to see so many people reevaluating themselves right now. But sometimes the right people aren't getting hired but I think if you really focus on longevity and, and what you need and what you makes what makes you happiest, it'll be easier for you to look around and say, okay, yes, everybody else is doing this. Yes, they've got 10,000 followers on blank, blank, blank. And I don't, but I'm doing what makes me happy and that's okay. The social media age, it blows my mind. Every time I bring it up, it, it just, it blows my mind. And here's an excellent example. At some point, I'm going to ask you about camping or one of the trips you've been on. Not that we actually spoke about it. Actually, we did. I sent you a note <laughs> on Instagram. Yes. Because I love the photo. But that's how I learn everything. It's not, it's not, what are you up to this weekend? Oh, you know, we're planning on going away or we're doing this. It's very reactionary. I saw it. it. I saw it. <laughs> and so I know. And that's a creepy way to live. But I hate that 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 losing the the conversation. And that's actually part of the reason why I, I, I'm like so heavily invested in doing a podcast and doing it in person. I want to sit down for an hour and I just want to chat with someone and I want to look them in the eye and 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 I want to enjoy our time together without having to like 
scour and figure out what they're doing. Um, and so that, that rating yourself based on numbers. Now, to be fair, 10 years ago, the rating system was also based on numbers. So maybe the rating system has just changed. But I think what has happened, it has turned the focus into exactly what you said, going from a journalist to a host. And we see a lot of hosts and brand ambassador. Exactly. <laughs> like it, it gets yeah. a little weird for me, at least not. Hey, not that I'm going to turn down anyone who wants to send me free no, stuff. Of course so not. if you're listening and you want to send me a pair of sneaks, I'm totally down, but <laughs> just, just casually, just casually. <laughs> what size are your feet? I'm not just size 12, <laughs> uh, wide. Uh, if there's skates, that'd be awesome too. Triple E. Um, <laughs> we go to someone for sports insight and we can get an equal dose of sports marketing at the same time. I find that because you can see what I'm up to based on my social feeds Mm -hmm. and you're absorbing whatever I'm putting out there, I'm finding more and more that people have a really hard time having a conversation in person and that they might be very funny and engaging on social media, but in real life, IRL, they have a really hard time looking you in the eyes and saying hi. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure if it's just me being like old school, not 100% willing to kind of dive into social media, but I'm finding more and more that people will say hi to me on the internet. They'll follow me. They'll like my stuff. But when I see them in a press box or I see them on the street, head down, walking right by. And that's not cool. No. I mean, because this is a business where we're in front of people all the time. I've grown up in front of people and I'm not necessarily proud of everything that I've done um, professionally and personally too. I mean, I think I'm going to be 30 in July and I've been doing this since I was 15 and that's a really long time. Mm -hmm. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt all the time because I hope that they give me the benefit of the doubt that I am a different person now at 29 than I was when I was 19 and, and maybe not making the right call all the time. So I usually give people a mulligan and hope to hell that, you know, they didn't, they, maybe they just didn't see me or they didn't, you know, want to say hi and maybe they're not having a good day. That's all right. But the conversation thing is something that I find a lot of people are struggling with. And I wonder constantly if people do things solely for social media, because maybe their real life isn't as awesome as they're kind of portraying. And one of the things that I see all the time now is this, you know, be authentic and authenticity and all of that kind of stuff. I just want to be me and me changes. And I'm okay with that as long as everybody else is open to the idea that people can change and people can be different. And, and we can talk about it in a public space and I can have a public job and I might cut my hair off and get a spray tan. Who knows? But that's okay. I'm allowed to do that. And I'm finding that when people see you as a brand, they just immediately assume you are one way. And I, I hope that social media can be more honest, that people have the opportunity to say, hey, yes, yesterday I was made up and beautiful wearing this lovely dress, and today I'm in sweatpants. And there are a couple of people right now that I follow on Instagram who are amazing at this and nail it. Kat, if you're listening, this is for you. Um, and I just, I really appreciate people like that because it is real and I want people to be able to have those conversations in real life but also on social media and I think we're 
we're seeing a little bit more of that, but I'd like to see more of it. First of all, I remember it always sticks with me because I was entering the sports industry when Twitter came out. I That's, I think, why I was so lucky to get such a simple handle. The first one that I wanted. I didn't have to add any like underscores or erroneous exclamation marks or I don't know. Can you add an exclamation? Oh, I, I don't think, think so. so. <laughs> I don't think you're allowed. Um, but I remember some of the smartest advice being given to members of the team when they went through media training, which then became social media training, was treat everything like a press conference, right? If you wouldn't say it in a press conference, don't tweet it because guess what? All the same people are listening and more. I wouldn't go to a press conference in pajamas. I love authenticity, but sometimes I wonder again if it's being placed as a tool in our tool belt where it's like, okay, um, I've got to make sure I look like super plain today and, and I talk about XYZ, big subject that's affecting the average person. And that just becomes another face of our personality that we then display. Like authenticity, when you're not speaking to someone, is really, really, really tough. It's like being put alone in a room with a camera in the other end and told to stare into that dark, soulless lens and be yourself and that's really hard. That's like, my job every day. <laughs> it, I know. It, exactly. I, and I, you know what? Honestly, I use it because one of the first times I was regularly on camera, my producer sat in a different room and that's I was in a studio and I like looked down into the black hole of a lens and then you tried really hard to connect through it. And I was like, wow, this is tough. This is why people are paid real money for this because it's not easy. No. I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. We're like nine years into social media and I'm still trying to figure it out. Like you, I I was part of a small team that launched Twitter for the Blue Jays. And my original Twitter handle was at the story of a girl. I was listening to that song by Nine Days. Is that what they're called? Anyway. This is the story of a girl. This is the story of a girl. So that was my original Twitter handle. And the cool thing was, I mean, here was this platform that felt like MSN and ICQ, but it was public. (laughs) And I was chatting with baseball fans all the time. And it was amazing. But it has changed so much since then. And Now you're arguing with baseball fans all the time, unfortunately. I only use Twitter... I mean, 99.5% of the time, it's mm-hmm. it's solely work, business, right. I tweet just about work stuff. Whereas I've tried to use social media as a little bit of both, like here's who I am as a human being, here's, mm-hmm. here's what I do when I'm not working. And it's fun, but then you have to figure out how much of yourself you want to put out there. The first thing people always ask now that I'm in TV after a decade in radio is, you know, do people recognize you? No, they don't. And it's amazing. Um, I think if I worked in a, <laughs> yeah, if I worked in a different city, um, then maybe, but Toronto is an amazing place that I can live my life and do my job at the same time. And no one really cares. And I really enjoy the anonymity in that, um, because, I can be myself all the time. I don't have to worry about it. I have been recognized once. We were on vacation in the summertime and it was the best thing that ever happened because it was the funniest moment of our lives. Matt, my boyfriend and I were having dinner at an authentic Newfoundland lobster 
dinner place. They literally caught the lobster off the dock. It was amazing. We were with two other couples that we had just met who were from Ottawa and they found out what we did while we were eating. And we have full on lobster bibs on cracking lobsters. There's like stuff everywhere. It's the most unattractive yeah, thing. I was going to say, you want to talk about IRL? Yeah. And when I look like dressed down, lobster bib, <laughs> yeah. like butter everywhere. Everywhere. So they're all doctors. And so they're like, oh, well, what do you guys do? And we're like, oh, well, we're not doctors. You guys are so amazing. Uh, So we told them. And Matt also works in the business. He's a producer. And so I told them what I did. And they were like, oh, my God, you guys must get recognized all the time. And just as that happens, like it's literally out of a movie. I got tapped on the shoulder. And this woman who was an older woman said, are you on TV? And I turned to her and I was like, oh my God, you guys are joking. Did you guys set this up? And I'm looking at the table going, you guys paid her off, didn't you? And she was dead serious. She was from Stratford, Ontario. She was pissed off that I did not bring the meteorologist to Newfoundland with me because apparently he's so good looking. And she was yelling for her husband, Jim, to come over because Megan from Global was eating lobster in the same restaurant that they were. And it was just like humiliating, but hilarious all at the same time. It's the only time I've ever been recognized. And it took me going to Newfoundland to do it. Were you in St. John's? No, we were in Trinity, Newfoundland, which is up on the East Coast, um, about two and a half hours north of St. John's. If you've never been to Newfoundland, I cannot recommend it more. You have. And I tell people that all the Mm -hmm. time. My two favorite places in Canada, one was up in Dawson City, Yukon. The other one was when I went and and kind of putted around Newfoundland. It's the greatest experience. Did you end up on Fogo Island? No. Okay. I should have. Yes. Dang it. Fogo Island got pretty popular, I'd say two years ago or so. Fogo Island is comprised of, I think, eight communities. And you have to take a, you know, an hour, two hour ferry from a a little tip off the east, northeast coast. And uh, it's a fishing island. Mm. And it is so damn stunning. It was the most magical thing when we got there because it was raining all day. The sky finally cleared and all of the icebergs as they were melting were just washing in as the sky looked like it was on fire when it was setting that night. And I cannot express enough. The people are so special and they make you feel at home all the time. And we'd never been there before. So for us, we kind of did the whole island. And um, in each place, we met different people who... I think about them now and I wonder how they're doing Mm. and I'll never forget them. And I think Newfoundland is one of those places that is such a nice escape, but also it makes you really realize how beautiful and special this country is. When I was, you know, in that age where I'm working and I'm starting to consider, okay, I can fly to London or I can fly to Paris or I can go here and go there. I told myself, wait, 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 see this country coast to coast first Mm -hmm. because you don't appreciate how similar we are, but how different we are and how different the culture is from coast to coast. So uh, I talk about the the, the people uh, in Newfoundland and one of my favorite stories was we had kind of set up camp in St. John's and then would go out from there and we didn't have a car. So it would end up, uh, you'd either end up taking a taxi generally. And so we were going 40 odd minutes out of town and the taxi driver was great. It was the the one way trip had to be close to 60 bucks. He said, listen, I'll do it for 40 and just call me when you're ready to go back and I'll just drive you back for free. And that was one of our first nights in Newfoundland and it just got better from there. And, and the people are unlike anything else. Um, 
And I was by the end looking at houses and I kid you not. And I had to be like dunked in the bay (laughs) and smarten up and realize that this isn't the time that I can buy a house in Newfoundland, but I want to, I want to, I want to retire there. We actually did coast to coast this year and we saw Newfoundland, but we also saw Vancouver Island. So we were at the Western point of the country and the most Eastern point and two islands. So very different. Mm -hmm. And I loved Newfoundland, but West Coast, best coast, baby. One of the things that we've always wanted to do was we've always wanted to live in a van. Like, like go full on. Right on. Down by the river? Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Down by the bay. Yeah. So we, uh, we rented a 1998 Volkswagen van and we lived in that van for just over two weeks and we traveled Vancouver Island and it was one of the coolest things I've ever done. And we, you guys are still together. Oh yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It was so good for our relationship. And not only that, I mean, when it was nice out, we would take our tent and we would go sleep on the beach. And there is something so magical about falling asleep to the sound of the, the waves crashing onto the shore. And Um, it's different out there. There's a lot of, um, really cool people that are doing really cool things for the environment, for themselves that are really in touch with this country and, and that space that they're occupying. Um, and it was really inspiring because I think for us, we've always wanted to live out there. And I think, you know, a little later in our life, we're looking at just, building an A-frame cabin and getting out of Toronto because it's so awesome. Yeah, I could just travel, Meg. Me too. I, I could just... Me too. I could just travel and that be it. My parents, you said you rented a van. My parents, that's what they did. I don't think... I don't. And they went to Jamaica for their honeymoon, but it was soon into their marriage that they spent several months and they bought a van at the time and said, forget it. We're just driving through the States and spent months driving through the States in this van and, and lived out of it. And so it's from that experience that I'm like, yes, I have to do this too. It's a calling. I must do it. It's honestly, it was, uh, it was really cool. We, we actually spent an extra night in Victoria and we'd only scheduled ourselves to stay one night and, uh, we just fell in love with it. We went paddle boarding in the Harbor and there were seals kind of popping up everywhere just to say hi. And, um, the food was amazing and the people were fantastic. And right now real estate is booming there. And we heard a lot of people talking about showings and seeing condos and that sort of thing. And so we learned that a lot of overflow from Vancouver is starting to go to Victoria. It's cheaper and people are retiring there because they can afford it. Yeah. Flown it's seven minutes. I can't even believe they have a flight that does that. We took the ferry. Did did you 90 minute ferry? I've done both. Oh, okay. 90 minute ferry is great too. It's gorgeous. Yeah, It's so gorgeous. Victoria or Nanaimo? Oh, we went to Victoria. Victoria. Yeah. That's where we had to pick up the van. So we did that, but it was funny. They have a little saying in Victoria that the only people that live there right now are the newlywed and the nearly dead. And that <laughs> basically sums up the population. So yeah, so I mean, maybe one day, maybe yeah. we'll retire in Victoria, but um, I really love the West Coast. And I think getting away for as long as we did, we, were, we traveled for about a month and a half um, in two parts this summer. It was a really good chance to just kind of figure out the kind of life that we wanted and, and what helps us relax. And it was really, really amazing. Now, you brought it up earlier. First of all, Megan Robinson on the podcast. Hello. Uh, <laughs> 30, what are we, 30 minutes in, Dylan? Yeah, about 30 minutes in. Thir- 30 yeah. minutes in. That's always nice to get the intros out of the way. 10 years, roughly, 
You said earlier we've known each other. About I'm trying. That, yeah. Is it Steve Glenn? Do you think that introduced us first? Um, I don't think we were introduced by somebody specifically. Uh, I just... think I was covering the Marleys for the Fan 590 oh, back yes. then. I was an intern, and I think you were around the Marleys at the same time too. So I think that's how we met. Um, but I couldn't pinpoint it. Were you RTA? Yep. Didn't I come on your broadcast? For your, didn't, was it you for a practicum oh, yeah. that you did a full yeah, live yeah, broadcast? Yeah. Yes, it was. And, and I stumbled through like a, uh, I was, I side. I think I was like the executive producer. Yeah, so I, I think was, you were too. Yeah. Um, that feels so damn long ago. It was so damn long ago <laughs> to be fair. Yeah. Like at least like 11 years ago, maybe, um, I would have been nine, eight. No, I guess when we graduated, <laughs> I was like 21, 22. Yeah, something wow. like that, 21. Okay, so not that long. Maybe 10 no. years I've known you. Yeah, um, yeah I think we were kind of introduced through a mutual friend or or just being around. That's, yeah, that Marley's, that makes complete sense. Yeah. Uh, and then I had the privilege of, you were one of my stops in one of my cross-country uh, tours that I did. And we yes. went to BAMP together. You were yes. living in Calgary. And we went to BAMP together. And it was the very, very first time uh, I had ever seen the Rocky Mountains. And I had lived my whole life up until that point, having just wanted to see the Rocky Mountains. And that was my first opportunity. And you brought me up into yeah. it, which is incredible. And, and we just joked and laughed all night. Uh, that was a good time. And here we are. Look at us. Well, we used to be kids. I, We're all grown up now. I still feel like a kid. I get carded every damn time. I go damn. to the liquor store. I order a beer. I, I mean, it's really great. I hope I like look really young when I'm 50. But it's funny. Like I, Some days I feel my age and I look at these young kids coming out of school and I'm like oh you've got so much to learn if you were to think I can name a, a number like what age if you were to like close your eyes and be like oh yeah I'm totally this many years old oh that's hard I'd say 26 27 yeah. yeah I mean uh, so you're only a couple years past 27 I'm six, I know I'm six going on seven years past I think it's because I I love like it's funny, people are always like, hashtag grandma life on things. Like, <laughs> I go to bed really early. I enjoy drinking detox tea at night and like long baths and reading books from the library. Like, oh, that's you know, my like life. Taking care of your body. Yeah, totally. It's wild when people want to take care of themselves. <laughs> you know, when the 20 is usually is just dedicated to ruining yourself yeah. and complaining about it in your 30s. <laughs> uh, you threw my 28th, 29th birthday for me, which was incredible at... Pogue Mahones. Oh, in, yes, yes, on yes, Bay yes, yes. On oh, Bay, no, no. Bay, and, Bay and College. Yeah, I think you and I had a lot of mutual friends at one point in our life. Crazy. Which is happens. really cool, yeah. It's a small industry. It's a, bit, it's a big world, but a small industry, which is really, really neat. And it really stresses the relationships you build and what you do with those mm. as time goes on because everyone circles back around. Like we, we at some point, will wind up in the same room together, I remember maybe it was two years ago, we just ran into each other in the Raptors media room. Yes. Because you yes, were doing yes. Raptors at the time. And yeah. I was, I don't know what I was doing there. I had something to do. Uh, and you just run into the same people and they're like, oh, oh my goodness. Hello. How's it going? Yeah. And and Toronto is a great place with a lot going on. And, and the media community is a lot bigger than anywhere else you're going to find across Canada and in a lot of US cities. But it's a small world. I think it goes back to... Uh, kind of what I initially said about allowing people to change so many people in these, in this business, because it is so small, I've been doing it for so long and you, I mean, you can't hold grudges and you, you just have to move on and, and hope that somebody, 
Uh, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt all of the time too, because you're going to run into them again. You're going to see them again. And it kind of has to be no hard feelings, even if something did go wrong. Um, and I think there's a beauty in that and it's learning how to forgive and forget and just kind of say, cool, we're, we're, we're both in this together, even if it doesn't always feel like that. I now have a look of horror over my face because I'm wondering how I wronged you in the past. Because <laughs> clearly you've had to forgive me. Um, it comes, especially at, you know, to be 29 and have such consistency like you've had, it means for anyone, anyone looking to do it, it means you have to start early. You have to, because if you don't, if you start in your mid-20s, or your late 20s, you still kind of put in those 10, 15 years before you see any sort of consistent work in, a, in an area, in, in a relative area to where you want to be. But that means in our case that we were really young when we started. And as many people get mulligans when they're 19 and do something dumb, I, I think of athletes too. I feel bad for them. You know, think of an NHL player drafted uh, at 18 years old. If they went through the Canadian system, they've had a really weird high school career and they're in a lot of small towns that generally worship them. And now they're given a boatload of money, like a dump truck just backed up to their house. How do you expect them not to make a mistake? You're allowed. We all did it. But that goes to your point where you you kind of just got to let people be. I, have, I think people have a really hard time doing that. And I think... Social media has given everybody this platform to be very critical of everybody. Everything's kind of governed by how much attention something gets, good or bad. And I think you're right. I think, you know, even athletes screw up. And I think people forget. Even athletes. Even athletes. Even them. People they are forget pretty special. that they're human too. And I think people are really hard on, on guys. You know, like not enough media training or they're either saying the wrong thing or how immature and yada, yada. I mean... It's going to happen. People screw up. Pro Phil Kessel or con? Is there oh, Phil pro? Kessel is hilarious. I love Phil Kessel. <laughs> I mean. And that's a guy who got a lot of crap from the media in Toronto because of how he acted in front of the camera. I was covering the team while he was playing for Toronto. The way that the media approaches things here is really tough on guys. And I understand why they get their backs up. I get it. Um, it's not always good stories, but I think athletes need to realize that it's not always going to be a good story. There are some amazing writers in the city and broadcasters who, when they break a bad story, they'll either text the player or they'll go into practice the next day to say, Hey, I hope you read my article. I just wanted, you know, this is why I wrote it. I have to do my job. You're doing yours. And I really respect that. And I think athletes really respect that too. When people are upfront about it, I think what the problem is, is that, you know, somebody will go and bash the team and you know, take their credentials and go in and ignore the player the next day. Dehumanizes the whole Yeah, totally. I mean, situation. I think that if you kind of break it down to really simple terms, we all have jobs to do. And the players need coverage. And sometimes it's not always good coverage and it doesn't always paint them in the best light. But I think having an open conversation about all of that is positive and it allows everybody to kind of grow and, and do their job. Bill Belichick. Do your job. <laughs> are, are you a Pats fan or not a Pats fan? No, not a Pats fan. No. Um, I actually printed out a poster of Bill um, and it had big, bold letters. It just said, do your job at work and put it on my desk. And someone took it down within 24 hours. I think they were offended. And I was like, yeah. why? Come like, on. this is the Pats motto. Yeah. But people don't get that. So that's cool. <laughs> that's um, cool. You've said a couple times just about your own career and how you've grown and evolved 
and changed and it surpri- it surprised me from this angle we have about 4 years between us but you have been the example of hard work one of the examples of hard work in my life um and that dates back to when you were in school and I was already working like I believe in hard work and that's oh, I believe I don't have much talent if any at all everything is just because I'm willing to sit there longer than the next guy and I'm willing to work later than the next guy and and, and you it's like you knew that originally and you were super talented and you're super smart and I was like shit <laughs> like I better get out of this industry or else I'm dead um but to, so to hear the honesty out of you to say that you've seen yourself evolve over the years, I, I'm curious in what ways have you have you rounded out your personality or your skill set? First of all, that's a really kind thing of you to say. So thank you. Um, a couple of things. So on a professional level, um, I was always told that it was going to be really hard to get to TV from radio. And I loved radio. I loved the intimacy of radio. I loved that people could hear my voice and that they could picture what I looked like without knowing. And there's a really amazing quality in that. And you have to have a specific kind of personality to really succeed at it. I loved it. I made the jump from radio to TV and did so uh, maybe not as gracefully as I would have hoped, but I did it. And um, I got some advice from a guy who was in charge of, I think, like creative design at Sportsnet back when I was working with the fan. And he said the best people in TV start in radio because they develop their voice. They develop their sound. They know who they are and they can go and do that. When I left radio, I did not have a job. I quit. And that was really hard. I had to trust myself. I was really lucky and the time worked out really well that within a few weeks of me leaving my job with nothing had landed a job in television that I never thought was going to happen. And it was because of conversations that I was having. It was because I was willing to accept advice from people all of the time and I was willing to work for it. I all of a sudden had to figure out who I wanted to be on camera and learn a whole new skill set. That was really hard. And I am my toughest critic all of the time. And it's, it's good and bad. I care too much. Good because I care. Good because I want to be better because I am constantly critiquing myself and wanting to evolve and wanting to be better than I am today, tomorrow. The bad side of that is I never appreciate what I'm doing. I never stop and go, oh, hey, I just won a national broadcasting award. And I am so lucky that I have a partner at home and I have a family and friends who will stop and say, hey, wait a second. Here's what you've done. Like, don't sell yourself short here. Appreciate your accomplishments. And I do once in a while, I think when I'm feeling really confident in myself, I will, you know, I can put all those things on the table and say, oh, yeah, hey, I, I have done well. But I'm not there yet. I'm not at my goal, which is a moving target of success. I'm not anywhere close to where I want to be. And I think that that has allowed me to, first of all, drive myself and other people crazy because I always want to be better, but to, to continually grow and to evolve. Personally, I always had a complex of why not me? Hmm. I worked really hard. I worked for free for a really long time. I gave up everything to be in this business. And 
to have the why not me mentality is a really negative cycle to be in because you're constantly looking at people who are younger, who maybe haven't worked as hard, who aren't as educated as you. And you think, why did they get that job? Who do they know? What are they doing? And when I was younger, that was something that really aided me, that I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting jobs. But I still have that feeling once in a while now. I'm not perfect. But once I got out of that cycle on a regular basis of thinking, why not me? It allowed me to just focus on me and to be better and to grow personally. And, you know, as a 20 year old, having that why not me mentality, I watched young people as well get big jobs. And there are still lots of people getting big jobs that know somebody or were in the right place at the right time. Having had years to look at those people and and really evaluate who they are publicly and, and myself, I'm so happy for them because that doesn't happen every day that you can be 23 years old and have a national job on television. And I am also proud of the fact that I can go up to those people and say, hey, you're doing an amazing job because 10 years ago, I couldn't. I was too jealous. I was too envious and too self-involved and thinking about myself instead of just being happy for somebody else. And I I think I mentioned this word already, but longevity. I want longevity in this job. I want to be able to tell stories and continue to evolve. And I want to do that in a space where everybody around me constantly wants that too. I don't know that that exists. And I think that that's something that I'm still trying to figure out. Um, and as I said, I drive myself crazy about it. But I'm, I am glad that I am this way now. Um, and I, I have a hard time when people don't see me as this person that I've become, that they don't take a moment to engage with me and to ask the question of how and why have you changed? Uh, and instead, maybe just see me in the way that I was 10 years ago. I have to give those people a chance to see me for who I have become. Um, Is it always going to happen? No, but um, I don't know. Maybe one day. I'm hopeful. First of all, no, no, no. I'm going to go back because I will say, and I think a lot of people who work around us and with us would say that they're the toughest critic. For sure. I I, I think that is just a product of the arts in general um, is that someone will will beat themselves up more than anyone else who watches. Uh, But that striving for something more um, constantly and that, that moving target of success is something that I don't believe is ever really attainable because I think it will always move. As soon as you realize that, oh, I can accomplish this, then that bar gets set that much higher because perhaps the addiction rests not in not in a specific point, but in that feeling of achievement and of growth and of uh, reaching. But I also believe I overthink things because no one will be able to tell me something I haven't thought of already. And, and I love criticism. I'm also deathly afraid of it just because I feel in that moment very vulnerable. How you react is is very personal. You know, how you, we all want to do it with grace and we want to thank people who gives us uh, great criticism. But at some level, they are picking at something that you've tried very hard to do. So for me, I think part of my obsession with reviewing and reviewing and reviewing and reviewing my work is so that I don't ever have anything said to me that I haven't thought of already. 
And then I've already, I don't want to say pre-planned a response because that's really creepy, but at least I'm okay with it because I've identified it too. I'm never taken off guard. Does that make sense? Being vulnerable is really hard. And I think that I try and exercise caution, I suppose, when I send out my demos to people and ask for feedback. And I, and I do it pretty regularly. Um, people that I've previously worked with, people who hire at various networks, um, I'm constantly just looking for a little bit of feedback. And you're right, it is a really personal thing to figure out how you're going to respond to something, especially when somebody isn't saying something necessarily kind or nice. Um, I'm really bad at taking criticism from other people, but I realize that it's a part of this industry and I think of life that only allows you to grow and be better. Having somebody critique the way that you look in a superficial way was really hard for me. When I went from radio to TV, I had long Changes hair. At that point, yeah, it? totally. I had ra- I had you know long hair and bangs and wore a hat to work most days. And well, maybe I was fashionable. I wasn't necessarily stylish. And all of a sudden, I had to have a wardrobe for TV. And when I was kind of transitioning from radio to TV, I probably met with four or five people, and everybody had something different to say grow out your bangs, dye your hair blonde. You can't wear that unless you lose 10 pounds. And I'm not a big person. I'm five foot two and a half. The half really matters. And I had a really hard time with that because I looked at those people thinking, you don't take care of yourself. You don't have blonde hair. You don't yada, yada, yada. And they were very quickly to tell me exactly how I needed to look to achieve success. Producers are the worst for that. And I say that because I'm a producer because, mm, yes, producers are the worst for that. Totally. I um, employ my sister to look at me in my clothes before I will wear them on television. That's Um, My Nana actually watches me a lot of the time on mute. She's not a huge sports person, but she can definitely tell you that Austin Matthews is awesome. Uh, And she's amazing. She will text me from her iPad. (laughs) And she will tell me whether or not she likes my hair and my outfit. And I know that no news is good news, but also if she really likes something, she'll definitely tell me. So I'm lucky that I have people that are willing to be honest with me. Um, My mom watches me on mute too, but for very (laughs) different reasons. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's one of those things. And, and as I said, I, you know, I want to be this way. I want to be ever changing and evolving and growing uh, because it means that I am invested in myself Um, but also my job and my passions. And I think that that's important. I feel like my soul has been cleansed just speaking to you. You're so full of like such goodness and such like purity. You don't, nothing, no matter what spin or connotation something could have, you have such a lovely view on it and, and, and how helpful things can be and people can be and social media can be. I love it. It's like, what a great way. We're recording this on a Monday. What an awesome way for me to start off the week. I haven't always been this way. Do you have always been this way? <laughs> I we, haven't. We just, we admitted we've known each other like 10 years. That's basically a third of your life. It is. And like yeah. a fifth of mine. Um, I, <laughs> thank I, you. Dylan got the joke. <laughs> Damn. I think there was a, a large stretch of my life where I was really negative and I maybe was around people who were negative. I was looking at things in a negative way. Everything was negative. I don't want to be that person anymore. And I have it for a while. And I'm really lucky that 
life at home is really good. I, I'm with somebody who makes me happy and adds to my happiness so much. Um, and that has been really refreshing. So I try and be Aww, as positive as possible, but it's mushy and sweet. I and have bad days. Sort of gooey awesomeness. Yeah. I mean, I, I have bad days. I do. And I have days where everything is doom and gloom. And those are days where I, I, I kind of relish in those because I allow myself to feel shitty. And I think you have to have one of those to realize how good good days are things aren't perfect. And and I've said this a couple of times. I am a national sports anchor at a network right now. It's great. It's not my dream job. I don't want to do highlights for the rest of my life. And I want to tell stories and I need to figure out how I'm going to do that. And bad days are still good days because I'm still doing what I want to do. And I think that that's really cool. So, I mean, career-wise, things, things are pretty good. We're sitting in an office that, as I explained when you came in is not where I want it to be just style yeah, wise sure because that's tough and I'm not good with that kind of stuff but what you had said really wrong true because all I want to do is tell stories that's that's all I want to do and we were out just the other day with someone else uh, Dylan and I and, and that was the whole topic of conversation was like okay um, you want to tell stories I want to tell stories how can we come together and how can we produce something here that helps you tell the stories that you want to tell and I encourage you or anyone else if we can help produce or tell these stories that you want to tell that is all I want and 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 again that's another reason why I love this interaction with someone and I get to sit down because all I want to do is hear about you like truly that's my life mission is to hear about you and you as the plural to, to everybody because I found it so upbuilding and so encouraging to be able to sit down and relate and if you talk if you just talk, and I don't want to say talk long enough, if you just talk to someone, you find a way in which you relate. And I fear that that's what we're losing. But it's crazy that you find it at a time of society where a lot of us are staying at home and crashing our keyboards instead of like playing at the park and doing all the cool stuff. Which is why, away from my job, I like limit screen time. We camp, we go into nature, we stay in a van, we sleep on the beach, and we get as far away as we can from our day-to-day lives. And it's one of the things that I really appreciate about being so close to every, like all of nature in this, in this place. We went winter camping during the All-Star break in the NHL. And uh, it was amazing. It was something that I'm really proud of us for doing. It was freezing rain our first night. We snowshoed in to the top of a mountain ridge in northern Ontario. And when everything gets wet and it's freezing rain, there's literally nothing that can keep you warm. And trying to start a fire was awesome. Matt was really good at that. And we sat and drank lukewarm tea with a lot of bourbon to just like try and get warm. It just didn't happen. It's like my Saturday night. Yeah. At home though, some morning warm. <laughs> so we, uh, for the first like 36 hours, all we ate was trail mix and just drank lukewarm tea because we couldn't get a fire to start. It was just, everything was wet. It was awful. But uh, by the time we got to our second location, having to snowshoe through, it was amazing. We got to set up and, and have quiet. And there's something really magical about being somewhere that you can only get to on foot or by canoe or snowshoe. And Northern Ontario is full of, full of places like that. And we just started discovering them last summer. And when you can hike to a, 
a camping spot. I know a lot of people for the longest time I thought camping was like the least relaxing vacation you could take. I needed a hair dryer. I needed to stay in like a five star like hotel. Pillows. Yeah. I really love the escape from it and the quiet. And you can't get that in this city. And I have a really hard time thinking in this city and feeling like I can get away for a moment of solitude in Toronto is really hard. So to know that there's something that's not that far away that we can hike in and have a quiet day. Uh, obviously the summertime is a little easier because it's Warmer. not minus 20. Um, but we stayed in a yurt for two other nights, which is just a covered structure and, um, got to snowshoe around and that sort of thing. So it was amazing. But, uh, yeah, I think being the kind of people that we are now, it allows us to escape and, come back and not have square eyes because we're in front of so many TVs and computers all the time. So I get to sum up our time together in, again, the most positive way where basically be good to yourself and be good to others. You know, give everyone the chance to change. Take a break from your screens. Go hiking and camping every once in a while. Life's amazing. And hey, if all else fails, just catch a game every once in a while. Why don't go to the Jays game? Just go. Go talk Just to go people. Sit. Go talk to people. Meet someone new. Megan, thank you so much. It's been such a delight to catch up. It's just a just a vibe with you again. It's it's been a pleasure. It thank really you. has. Thank you for having me. Now we finish things right along the lines of everything you've just said. We finish things with two lines. Okay. So if you can say the second line, I'd really appreciate it. I'm going to tell you, don't worry. Like, actually, I imagine I just said the first line and just let someone make up the second line each and every time. We could try it. We could have, we could have different. Oh, that'd be amazing. Try I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to think about that. Okay. You, want to, you want me just to try it? You just say the first line and then I'll make up a second. Then we can do it again. Everyone, please, please, please be good to yourselves. And love each other. That's really sweet, isn't it? <laughs> do we need to do the actual one? No. What's the actual? To, Let's do it again. Let's and, do it again. And eat your vegetables. All right. Is the other one. Because I, I it came out of a text message with Kat, actually, we talked about earlier. I'm a vegetarian, so I where, totally get it. Oh, perfect. <laughs> where it was, the whole idea of it is if we just pay attention to the small things in our life, if we just are good to ourselves in these small things and put down the Big Mac and like pick up a carrot stick, then that's where we're, we're really making ourselves better people so everyone please as we say goodbye please please be good to yourselves and eat your vegetables coming from a real vegetarian